Hey, what's up? It's episode 46, Pain Points of Wealth, and it was a crazy week on the street of dreams. We had a mini sell-off or a mini correction on Monday as markets looked like they were ready to crash. But by Tuesday, markets were marching higher again as earnings seasons got off to an awesome start. Companies' earnings are blowing away estimates. Economic data keeps coming in stronger and stronger. Is the party going to continue? What's going to happen between now and the end of the year? We're going to give you our viewpoint on exactly what's going on right now. And on the tipping point today, we're going to talk about financial catastrophes. What could derail your entire financial plan? What do you need to be aware of to avoid any sort of disasters in your financial life? We're going to give you our blueprint for that. we got a great show for you today. Let's hop to it. Hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod, Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. I don't know what you're talking about. The last time we recorded this podcast last week, the market was at all-time record high. Here we are a week later recording the podcast. Market's at an all-time record high. What correction are you talking about? It happened so quick, Bob, and you can almost feel it in the air, right? And we saw some sectors sell off like 5%, like energy was down big on Monday, and you just thought, okay, here it comes. We're going to get that proverbial market correction where markets are going to sell off between 10 and 15%. Gird your loins, as someone we used to know used to say. And it just didn't happen. <laughs> you know, the next day, it's like all of a sudden the market's turned and they haven't looked back. Well, here, guys, here's a great real world example of this. Uh, I talked to one of my clients on Thursday and they were in absolute panic because they said that, you know, one, they never, ever check their account. They never look at their account, except it seems like when it's gone down. I don't know if you guys experienced that with your clients, but anyway, I digress. But they said to me, I checked my account on Monday. What's going on? You know, how come the market's crashed? You know, we're losing all of our money. Is this the end? And I said, well, did you log in and look at your account today? And they said, no. I said, well, look at it today and tell me what you see. And they went and looked and looked and, oh, everything's back to normal. Everything's okay. I said, okay. I said, listen, one cold day doesn't make a winner. You know, Chris, as I love about working with clients, I mean, one day and they want to know if it's over. I remember 1994, we had the market go down every month for a year. We had interest rates go up, stock market go down 12 months in a row, 12 consecutive months of their accounts going down, statements dropping month after month. Best line I ever heard in my life. Hey, Bob, I never look at my statements. However, I just happened to take a peek and it appears we are circling the drain. Think of that visual. Well, and that's the other thing to think about right now. It's like the market has a small correction, the euphemism that I love on Monday. People start to panic and you start thinking investors are getting spoiled here. <laughs> you know, it's like you're supposed to have markets sell off once in a while. It's normal, but we've had a really abnormal market because we've had very little volatility. You know, markets essentially have been going straight up here, which makes me think, man, oh man, we get a real correction. It's not going to be pretty. Well, real corrections are the normal part of markets, right? This is the first drop we've had since October. Think about that, guys. We haven't had a 5% correction since October. This is the biggest drop in nine months. So that's a little unusual. And now, guys, you know why we had a drop on Monday, right? What were the headlines, Chris, on Tuesday? Well, I think the excuse, and I use that word excuse very deliberately, is because of this Delta variant and how it's having a worse impact than we could ever anticipate it. That was a headline in every paper, whether the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, the Nightly News, it was the Delta variant. Now, of course, 
they didn't mention it on Wednesday or Thursday or Friday when the market went up. Is it possible that we stopped the spread of the Delta variant in 24 hours? I don't think so. I don't think so. If anything, I think it's been spreading the rest of the week, which also shows you how the news likes to fit you know, into some sort of narrative of what's going on with the market. It's the market drives the news. It's not the other way around. But what I think is interesting right now is the market really isn't going down very much, right? You do get this proverbial sell-off. I'm using that word a lot today. And you're just seeing the buyers come in. And I know we know this anecdotally. There's just so much cash out there on the sidelines. You know, how many people have you spoken to this year that sold out of the market last year, been waiting to get back in because they're hoping they're going to get a big market crash at some point. As you like to say, Bob, bull markets just don't let you in. So every dip here is being bought. And I argue that could go on for a long, long time. It really could, Ryan. That really goes back to what we had talked about last week when we talked about the Tina concept. There is no alternative. And to put that in perspective, this past week, the 10-year treasury dropped by 1.2% a year. So if you think about it, you know, you've got all this cash, you're getting less than 1% sitting in cash, you're getting 1.2% on your money market. And if you think about inflation over time, which is going to be above 1.2%, I think in the average since World War II is 3%. If they put it in perspective, you know, for every hundred dollars you invest, it's going to be worth $90 of purchasing power in 10 years. So basically you're guaranteeing yourself to lose money. No, that's exactly right. You know, it's the proverbial Tina trade. There is no alternative. And that's like the question is where's money going to go? You know, stocks are becoming more and more profitable or companies becoming more profitable. Economic data is going to continue to get better because we know the world isn't fully open yet. That's going to continue to go up. So I think your bigger risk here, and we've talked about this a lot because a lot of investors right now have gotten very nervous, is, oh my God, we're going to get a huge market crash. Your bigger risk here is we could get a huge market melt up and you're sitting in cash and you miss it. Yeah, absolutely right, Ryan. You know, I always say the reason we have unexpected moves in the financial markets is because simply they're unexpected. But what's been expected is in this big booming recovery are big booming earnings. And the earnings have been off the charts. We're only the second week in the earnings season, and we're having companies one after another, 90% of companies beating on the top line and the bottom line. That's way above the average of 70%. This is what's been expected. The market's reacting as expected. And as a result, market's going higher. Yeah, because the thing to remember too here is it's like what isn't expected, Bob, to your point which is another Bobism. It's a wide, unexpected move to happen in the market because they're unexpected, is the fact that things are even better than what has been anticipated. And I think that's what you have to think about here is if companies keep beating the way they've been beating the estimated you on Wall Street, well, that's going to be another catalyst to push prices higher. And that's been the trend. Chris told me the trend's your friend. I don't know if that's true or not. I can tell you absolutely 100%. I never said that. Because just when you think the trend is your friend, it turns around and stabs you in the back. Hey, it'd be a lot cooler if you did, Chris. So meanwhile, guys, we have the stock market at all-time record high. We have bond yields dropping, which is kind of counterintuitive because inflation's everywhere. We just had the producer price index jump 7.3% last week. You had inflation, the CPI, come into 5.4%. Now, don't you love it? The government, they rule out that unimportant part of inflation. You know, food and energy, it doesn't count. They exclude that. Well, all I know is it cost me a fortune to gas up my car. You guys are just down here for the family barbecue. It cost me a fortune. Just for hamburgers and hot dogs, inflation's going through the roof. Why are interest rates going down? Well, Ryan, you know, and I don't ever really have to experience that inflation because dad's always paying for stuff, which I don't have a problem with. <laughs> and he grills everything. Oh my God, it's amazing. Everyone should spend a weekend at Casa de Bob down in Ocean City, New Jersey. Just saying. We don't call him Bob Propane for nothing. <laughs> exactly. The master griller. Bob is a master planner, a master griller, and you can't put one in front of the other. But I think you know the other narrative right now is everything is at a peak. And that's true, right? If you compare this year to last year, 
you're comparing last year this time, remember it was summertime, the economy was doing terrible, everything was locked down, and now everything's open again. So of course, the profits are going to come in way better than expected, and they're not going to come in this awesome ever again in this cycle, right? You're going to see profits go up, but it's going to be at a slower pace. So the question is, if everything's at a peak right now, are stocks at a peak too? You know, I'll tell you guys, it really isn't all about peak earnings. It's not about peak productivity. Productivity is going up. The Federal Reserve is printing more money. You know, there's lots of liquidity. They're still buying bonds. You're having lots of other companies are opening up now. We still have 9.3 million jobs that are unfulfilled. So things can get a lot better or they get to get a lot worse. But the stock market's telling you the way to think because the market doesn't care about the way things are. They care about whether things are getting better or things are getting worse. And I'm telling you guys, the numbers I'm seeing from earnings and projections for next year, things are getting better, way, way better. Yeah, that's absolutely true, Dad. You know, things definitely are getting better. And, you know, in, in some instances, when it comes to investing, some places are better than others when it comes to putting your money back in the market. And right now, you know, just looking overseas, like in the emerging markets, for example, you know, it's still a relatively cheap place to add money. You know, if you look at like the S&P 500 right now, it's trading at 22 times earnings, right? So pretty expensive. Whereas like, if you look at like the emerging markets right now overseas, you know, that's really starting to benefit from the opening up globally. You know, it's trading at like 16 times earnings. So, you know, even with the market being as high as it is right now, there's still a lot of value to be had in other places. And not to mention, they pay my favorite dividends. And as I always say, you get a better outcome with income. You know, Chris, I absolutely agree. And I talk about this all the time about having a conventional portfolio versus an unconventional portfolio. To really succeed as an investor, you've got to be a contrarian. And that takes a lot of courage. It's a lot easier to lose money in a conventional way because you're like, hey, I lost money because everybody else lost money. And I'm making money because everybody else is making money. To really be a great investor, you got to be a contrarian. And it's really hard to sell what's popular and what's up to invest what's out of favor. But that's where the true rubber hits the road. When you have a non-conventional portfolio where you're able to take money off the table when things are overvalued and invest in things that are clearly undervalued. It's unconventional. It takes courage. Not a lot of people can do it. All right, guys. So to wrap things up here, look, we saw a tiny mini market correction on Monday. It wasn't a market crash. If you're sitting in cash right now, you're sitting, you're wondering, waiting. It doesn't pay to wait. The risk here is earnings are going to come in better. Economy is going to be stronger. There's so much money sitting in cash. As Bob likes to say, you got to be in it to win it. Hey, I hope you're enjoying episode 46, Pain Points of Wealth. If you're enjoying our content, you really like it, go ahead and give us that five-star rating if you're listening to this on iTunes. If you're watching this on YouTube, don't be shy. Click that like button, subscribe to our channel. You can click that little notification bell so you can be updated on every new episode every single week. And if you have a friend, family member that could enjoy our content as well, feel free, share our content, share the love. All right, gentlemen, it's the tipping point where we pinpoint the pain point having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. So Bob and Chris, in our collective 75 years of advising individuals on their wealth, what we've learned is disasters in the financial world happen. And depending on how severe that issue is, many circumstances can be catastrophic and actually derail your entire financial plan. So I thought we could talk about some of the more catastrophic events that could happen and how to avoid them at all costs. You know, guys, it's one of my biggest frustrations having been a financial advisor for 47 years, is every joint account relationship. And I'm not talking about a few. I'm talking about every single relationship where there's two spouses involved. There's always one spouse who's extremely interested, right? Who pays attention, who stays on top of everything. And there's a spouse 
who doesn't care, doesn't want to know, doesn't want to sit down, doesn't want to even know where anything is until they're responsible. Yeah, and that's a scary thing. We see this a lot. It's like all of a sudden one spouse passes away, the other spouse has everything in a shoebox. They have 10 different logins to different accounts. And now you have a spouse who's grieving because they just lost the person they love more than anyone else in the world. And they also have to get on top of this just like financial mess. And you know what we found is there's no excuse nowadays with technology not to get financially organized. Yeah, absolutely right. You know, and one of the things we do here at Paying Capital Management is we have our 360 portal, which is basically an electronic catch-all for all things financial. You know, it's got a uh, document storage fault. It actually goes so far as you can actually add someone onto that account so they know where everything is. Like, for example, Dad, you may not know this, but Ryan's the executor of my estate. Actually, I don't know if Ryan knows that, but he has access to my 360 portal. God forbid something were to happen to me. Well, that's good to know. I wonder what kind of trades I can make in those accounts this weekend. I'm putting your money all into Bitcoin. <laughs> Ryan, that's Bobcoin. Even better. I'm putting all my money into Bobcoin. You know, Ryan, it sounds pretty simple. Just put everything into a 360 financial portal, right? Which we'll do. But I got to tell you, most of you are procrastinators. And what do you want to procrastinate the most when it comes to anything in your life? How about your finances? It's boring. It's not interesting. We love it. You know, we're boring people. That's why people hire us. We love to do this, but it takes a lot of time and effort. And that's why you need somebody to push you a little bit. Well, the truth is, it's not that hard. It just seems that hard and daunting. And I think there's a lot of reasons why a lot of us just like we procrastinate on dealing with it because it's like, ah, oh, finances. Oh, I got to figure out what my statements are. But when I love doing this and I love taking people through this process because you found what I call found money. You forget about like different accounts that you had, or maybe you have a savings account and a thrift that you forgot about from years ago or old 401ks. And when you start to paint that picture, and this is like the beginning of all financial planning is just getting financially organized. And the reality of it is to put all this stuff into the computer, put it into one portal, it's not that hard. And that's the beauty of it. You know, you go through it every year. And to your point, Rye, you know, you find things that you didn't realize existed. Like actually think on your portal, Rye, you have the change that's actually in your couch right now. So, you know, it just comes down to having an account of every penny, having an account of where all your legal documents are, tax returns, the whole nine yards. Well, you know, what my strategy is when someone sits on my couch, I literally start to bounce them up and down. So all the change falls into the couch and I put that in my piggy bank. And that's essentially how I'm saving all this money. Another masterpiece financial plan by Ryan Payne. Chris, of all the clients we have, Ryan's the only one that still has this recess money from the Hobbit house where he went to nursery school. <laughs> the two that I see is most of you right now have what I call, I love you estate. What you don't realize is that the day you lose your spouse, the day your peak misery, all of a sudden you don't have access to any of your money because everything's in joint title. Make sure that each of you have an account in your name where there's cash you have access to because the last I checked, boys, Nobody escapes his mortal coil alive. Not yet, even though they have Walt Disney in some sort of like cryogenic chamber, but we'll see. You know, the jury's still out. But I think the other thing to think about here too is, and I think it's really important, we talk about updating your financial plan at least every 12 months because life happens. They, you know, you make adjustments. But your estate plan is kind of the same way, right? Every couple of years, you want to get it revised. And most of us, it's probably a decade plus if you even have a will. But along the way, you have kids, you have grandkids. Maybe someone in your family gets divorced and they're the executor on your estate and you don't want them to be the executor on your estate anymore, but you forgot about that. This happens all the time and it's more common than you think. So, you know, getting those estate plan documents updated is critical and it's like, you know, brushing your teeth. You want to do it regularly, something Chris can't relate to. 
Well, I always appreciate you staying on top of my personal oral hygiene. Although last time I was at your apartment, there was no toothpaste to be found. So I would question yours. But here's a real life example of what happens when you don't have your will periodically reviewed. A few years ago, I took on a brand new client and I insisted that they have their will reviewed. And the estate planning attorney actually found a contradiction about where certain assets were supposed to go. So had this couple passed away, this would have been a major issue, guys. Yeah, it's like the old saying, too much of a good thing becomes too much of a good thing. And that's what we're seeing right now. I mean, look, we look at like over 50 portfolios a month. We probably have more volume coming in of seeing how you're invested than anybody else really on Wall Street. And that's exactly what happens because not only does whatever's been doing the best in your portfolio become overweighted, but Wall Street does the same thing. They overweight the overweight too because that's what's working right now. And the problem is, Bob, you know, we talk about this a lot, is when the tide goes out, you can see it's been swimming naked. You don't know you have that extra risk until it's too late. And this is why you really need to do a full review to see how you're allocated. And most of you are not allocated correctly. We know. Well, right. To your point about doing a full review, I, matter of fact, I did a full review for somebody a couple of days ago. And we looked at their portfolio and 90% of their money was in the market. And they said, you know what? I've been getting 30% year over year in my portfolio. What do I need to make a change? So I ran a report that showed what would happen and by the way, these folks are looking to retire at the end of this year. What would happen if that portfolio had lived through the 2007-2008 recession? That portfolio would have been down 46.7%. And I said, the question is, is, will you be able to make that up in your lifetime? And the answer is, most likely no. Well, I think what happens here, and it's kind of the cruel irony of investing is, if you saved a lot and your net worth now is substantial, where you, know, you can live off your portfolio, you don't need a huge return, you need a modest return is why take all that unnecessary risk to get just a little more upside, which doesn't affect your lifestyle. But if you take too much risk and the market sells off 50%, and it happens, it's happened three times in my career, and I've been in the business for 20 years, do you want to see your $5 million going to $2.5 million just because you can get some extra return? That can ruin your entire retirement. It's not worth the risk for a little more upside in a big booming market like this. And most of you are going to make that mistake. We see it over and over again. Well, guys, that's why it's so important to invest based on your goals and follow a disciplined strategy where you do have to rebalance periodically. It's so much better than trying to invest with the whims of your emotions because inevitably that's what's going to get you in trouble. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with their planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead, financially speaking, at any stage of your journey. But if you want a more hands-on approach and you have over $750,000 saved for your financial plan, well, you can apply for a free complimentary financial review. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan or click on the link below. We're going to put together a full audit of your investments, the fees you're paying, a tax optimization strategy and literally put together a full expense and income plan to make sure you're on the right path to achieving financial independence. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a complimentary or free financial review. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 46, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, love our content, give us five stars on iTunes, show us the love, put a like, put a comment in, subscribe to our channel. If it's on YouTube, you can click that little notification bell so you can be updated every week as our new podcast comes out. Give us the love. We're doubling our subscription base. We'd love to have you part of the party. Like our content, subscribe. All right, gentlemen, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you. 
or even shock you. Chris, the federal deficit is now 1.3 times the size of the GDP here in the US. That's the highest it's been since the end of World War II. Plus, the US has about 28.5 trillion worth of accumulated debt. If rates rise by one percentage point, that's another 285 billion of interest expense for the US government annually. That's scary. Man, I'll tell you what, you know, they say that compounding is the eighth wonder of the world, except when it goes against you and it's not in your favor. Imagine 285 billion over the next 20 years. That's a lot. Sounds like we need to start paying that deficit down, not increasing it. Just saying. Chris, domestic production of semiconductors has been declining for decades. Today, only 12% of semiconductors are manufactured here in the good old USA. Taiwan Semiconductors manufacturing company alone makes up 56% of market share in certain global markets for advanced technologies. Well, I'll tell you what, guys, this is not the only thing that gets manufactured overseas. And that's why it's so important to not just be invested in the US, but also so much more important to be invested overseas, especially in those emerging markets. Invest in the global markets. You heard it here first. All right, gentlemen, another great show. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.